Okay, everybody, we're bringing on a friend today, uh, Ed Rush. Ed, welcome to Eternal Leadership Podcast. John, it's awesome to be here, man. I, you know, I don't. I think this is the first time I've been interviewed by another fellow fighter pilot. So now I'm going to make sure my stories are as accurate as possible because you know I don't want to get called out on anything. So no, it's good to be here, man. Oh no, I'll totally call you out, man. <laughs> even if even if it's all accurate, yeah. Of course, you were a Marine pilot, though, and I got to tell you, the Marines I flew with had the highest level of professionalism integrity, commitment. I was always impressed. Lowest, lowest level of intelligence. No, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> we have a very low bar. So the funny thing, <clears throat> when I was applying- Well, because you got all those calluses on your knuckles. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. When I was applying <laughs> applying for the services, the Air Force you know, required like a 3.2 GPA. The Navy required like a 3.0. And when I went to the Marine recruiter, I was like, so what's the GPA requirement? And they said 2.0. And I was like, oh, so basically I just need to graduate. Yeah, you just need to graduate. So- we get what we get what we ask for. I think in life, that's that was that's the Marine group. Yeah, I got here's a funny, a good friend of mine. He was a Navy SEAL. He grew up in Wisconsin. Always wanted to go into the Air Force. So he goes to the Air Force, and they say, "Yeah, take this path, son." Right? And he comes. He's all excited. Comes back, and they're like, "Yeah, you might want to try the Navy." <laughs> yeah, tried to. So he goes next door <laughs> to the Navy, and they're like, uh, "You know, they go through their process. They're like, yeah." You know what? Yeah, we might be able to get you in, but the Marine Corps recruiter yeah, yeah. next door. And he was yeah. like, you know, here's the Marine Corps uh, acceptance says, son, what's your name? Yeah. Oh, you're, the come Marines. on back here. So yeah. Sign right here. Yeah. So uh anyway, guys, you know what? Ed had an incredible career as a Marine Corps fighter pilot, F-18 pilot, but then uh has developed an incredible platform, multiple number one uh best-selling author, speaker coach, developed a seven-figure business. And what I love, though, about Ed, and he does these conferences called God Talks. Now, think about that. And, and this is where, where Ed's heart is. How do I partner with God with what he's doing in the world? How do I do that to build a business that supports my family, does good in the world? Because think about it, the, the uncertainty that's in the world today, building a company, all the decisions you have to make, marketing and products and uh, you know, finances and all these things. And then how, how do you bring God into the details it, that, you know, it's something I think we all struggle with. Um, I'm in a CEO group that I, that I'm part of and have been for years. It's something we talk about weekly guys, but here's a little bit about background. So, uh, so Ed graduated from Top Gun, correct? Yeah. I like this by typing like a chicken on amphetamines you wrote several best-selling books. What that means is you uh, you have a great team. You live in San Diego, uh, married, four kids, and you got a bearded dragon named Smog. So, Smog. Smog. Yeah, he's. Uh, you should have him in the screen. That'd be fun for the shot. So, <laughs> But I love this, right? Your superpowers. Hey, how do you use your message? Think about that. What is your message? What is that thing, right? That idea, that big idea you want to get out in the world, and how do you connect that so that you can actually not only make income, but also impact, yeah. right? And Ed, I share that. That is that is what I love to do is sit there and you work with somebody, you work with a team, you work with an individual, you create that clarity that connects them to what that mission is, that vision, but then you activate it. Because, you know, a lot of times, right, we got to overcome some internal barriers, some self-image, identity issues, and then we have to have the courage to be able to step out and be all in, not quit, and be open to failing. And I had to recast my definition of failing. I was afraid of failing because I was so concerned 
early in my business career of looking bad in front of people. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is, you know what, that is all ego and that is all pride. And you can never be the best version of yourself when you're operating from that place. So I had to start recasting failure from a place of, no, it's just another outcome. Failure is just, you know what, whether it goes the way I want it to or not is just an outcome. And then I have to ask two questions. What did I do well in either making that decision, running that project, whatever it happens to be? And what did I learn so that next time I can be a little bit gooder? Okay. And then that then was the turning point. That and some incredible mentors in my life. But, uh, Ed, I, I would love to kind of turn back the clock. So a lot of you guys knew I was a, a Navy <laughs> F-14 pilot. I started flight school in 1988 and I got out in 1995 after Desert Storm. And then Ed, a little bit younger than me, got in in 95, but then he got to be there in the thick of it when the U.S. went back into Iraq in, two, in uh, 2002, three, four time frame. So, but Ed, I'd love for you to Share a little bit about your story, your journey that even led you to what you're doing right now. Yeah, my story actually mirrors in a really cool and interesting way your story. You know, first of all, so when you shoot a missile off of an F-18 or or in this instance, an F-14, the important thing to know about that missile is it's constantly making mistakes and constant. There we go. So John's got we were just before the show, we were, we were, we were sharing. That's an AM-54. Is that a Phoenix? This is a picture of me shooting a Phoenix. It's yeah. a $4 million missile with a hundred mile range. And I'll never forget the day that I shot that thing. Cause man, that thing is an absolute. Did it make beast. it? Did it make it all the way? Sometimes the Phoenix were known to like, you know. No, actually, you know what it did? Cause you know, there was a section of F-18s behind us. So yeah. for you guys listening, when we, when we would do basically a, a missile X like this, a missile exercise, it was not a warhead shot because to, a range in the we're outside the Persian Gulf. Hey, you don't want it to a explode. Sonic drone to come in. Yeah. Right. So it was they had a telemetry package. So we were supposed to shoot. It's evidently supposed to be a near miss because the warhead's so big. If it had blown up, it would have killed the drone. And then behind us was uh, two F-18s with sparrows. And then if those didn't finish it off, we had a section of F-14s with sidewinders. There we go. Well, this thing was um, at 60 miles. The closure was about Mach 1.9 between the two of us. And we fired this thing off and it goes up to about 60, 70,000 feet and comes down. And we're just watching the distance. All of a sudden we see this giant fireball. This F8, this AIM-54, the Phoenix was so accurate that at 1.9 Mach, and the drone is about the size of a Volkswagen Beetle, it speared the middle of this thing and blew up its internal Whoa. fuel tank. Wow. So the guys behind us thought we uh, the CAG was on our wing. Our air wing commander was on our wing. And he comes on the radio and he is fit to be tied because he yeah, thought because- we actually uh, loaded a warhead shot, which we did, <laughs> which we have not. And then the Hornet guys behind us were not happy with Ram. Because they, they didn't have a target to shoot at. They By did the way, not have a target. Listening, 1.9 Mach is about... 1300 miles an hour just to put it into into car driving terms which is really fast that means you're doing about if i have this right about 25 miles every minute okay so that's fast that's uh fast. i love it and that's why like john that's why you know you're such a good coach you know you're just kind of showing people how to achieve their goals fast i like that you know back to the missile so go to the go to the missile the picture he showed, if you were listening, was the AIM-54, which is a Phoenix missile, which we don't use anymore. Then he mentioned the AIM-9 and the AIM-7. The AIM-9, the Sidewinder, gets its name 
from the way it flies through the sky. So one of the missiles that I got to shoot in training was the AIM-9. It, it, it literally looks like a snake moving through the air. It's making so many corrections. The interesting thing about missiles like that, and, and um, they teach you this in flight school too, like when John and I went through our flight school, is the missile comes off the rail. And for the first maybe 300 yards, a certain distance, missile doesn't turn at all. It just goes straight. And the reason for that, if you want to know the inside part of the story, is we buy missiles from the lowest bidder. Okay, so the last thing we want is the missile to turn and hit us, uh, which I've seen that happen before, by the way. Uh, we don't even have time to tell that story, but but the missile goes off the rail and it basically shuts its eyes and goes straight so it doesn't hit the airplane. And then at some distance, it's, it opens its, up its targeting system and continues to the target. Inevitably, at some point, that airplane that it was targeting against has moved. So during that time, it's moved. And so essentially the missile is off course, off track. What ends up happening is the missile almost always overcorrects and then it's off course and off track again. Then it overcorrects back. Then it overcorrects back. And it makes these smaller, timely adjustments until eventually it makes its way to the target uh, and destroys it. And that is exactly the story of my life as an entrepreneur. And every business owner I've ever known is exactly like that. Like if you look behind you, as you're listening to the show, if you look behind you in history, what you will see is a zigzag road to success. A success-minded person hits an obstacle and makes an adjustment. Hits another obstacle, makes an adjustment. Hits another obstacle, makes an adjustment. Those obstacles, by the way, we call those failures. And um, I think when I started to count, I think I have my record is about nine failures for every success. So, you know, we're talking in the introduction about my my latest book, which, which is my sixth book. Well, behind me on the shelf, I've got my first book. This book was a catastrophic failure. It wasn't even a good looking book. Well, I still have, I ordered so many copies of this book. I, I wrote this book, John, in 2008. I have, I bought so many copies of this book in 2008. I still have copies on my shelf. It's, it's like embarrassing, right? But let me tell you, fully, full transparency. I would have not gotten to book number four or five, or certainly not to book number six, if it wasn't for the experience that I got in book number one. So as a entrepreneur, career person, success-minded person, you know, the failures, like we talked about in the intro, they're um, humbling. Sometimes they're public. I walked on the two stages with my zipper down. I've tripped three times publicly on a on a stage. Uh, those were embarrassing moments, but now the story's funny. And so I always tell people like, you know, if it's going to be funny later, it's funny now. You know, if the failure's going, if you're going to tell a story about the failure later and laugh, you might as well laugh now. But yeah, my my story is is much like that. Like I, I failed kindergarten. I don't like admitting that fact in public, you know. But I I like. Early wait, wait. on, how, how do you fail kindergarten? It's unbelievable, dude. So I went to a school called St. Matthias. I actually tell a whole story about that in the book. You know, you barely have any memories from when you were like six. The only memories I have at St. Matthias Catholic School was they had this big metal kitchen where they always sent kids for detention. And my all of my memories exist there. My memories also include this nun, Catholic nun, whose name was Sister Mary Elephant. Now, I, I don't think that was her real name. That was like in my head what her name was. There was this famous Cheech and Chong sketch back about that. But anyway, I think her name was like Sister Kathleen or something, but she was so mean. And, and, and by the way, if anybody grew up going to Catholic school, you'll know what that means. Like they were not nice, okay? And all of my memories exist there. So my beginning, my beginning to life was not very auspicious. Let me just put it that way, John. But you know, I ended up graduating from kindergarten my, my next try. Hey, Ed, well uh, yeah. done, brother. Well Thank you. Done. Made it through college. Way to keep fighting. 
made it into the Marines with the with the low GPA. And then uh, lo and behold, found out I was a pretty good pilot. And like I knew what I was doing and I could teach and I could share people, share with people how to maneuver and how to, you know, uh, shoot weapons. Next thing you know, I'm graduating from Top Gun. I'm teaching at our Marine Corps version of the Top Gun school. And like that, my career's over and I decide I'm going to move on to something else. And it was almost that quick. I just realized I was in Iraq, flying circles in the sky, and I had a five-month-old at home. And I thought, you know, I think I'm going to be doing something else. Uh, and I ended up going home, writing some books, started creating some online products, started building and selling businesses. Next thing you know, I'm being brought in to speak at these big events. I'm just sharing some strategies from the stage about how to use wisdom to grow your business. Next thing you know, I've got a whole client. People are asking me for advice. I've had over 537 clients work with me one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, these are folks, most of those folks pay me well over $10,000, most most more than $20,000 to work one-on-one -on -one with them in their business. And in that process, and this is really where the trajectory of where we were going, I started bringing my conversations with God into my coaching. Now, I never did this before because I was like terrified what the person would think about me. But what I realized is the highest level information you can get in the world is divine wisdom. There's this, if you're watching on the video, you can see there's this image behind me, but uh, this poster behind me, if you're listening, there's a, there's something I, I teach called the, the, the wisdom pyramid. I'm not going to go through the whole, all of it, but what I can tell you is in life, you put a certain amount of effort in and you get a certain result. And when you're operating at the low values of information, you're getting uh, putting a lot of effort in and getting a very little result. Like, for example, if you spend any time on Twitter, Twitter is like the lowest value of information exchange. It's basically people just angry at each other. And the highest value of in information exchange is when you're downloading your instructions and your information directly from your conversations with God, or you're doing it in some sense of community. And my goal as a coach, advisor, consultant, speaker, author has always been to deliver information that is at the highest level of information. By the way, a, a side point, you know, right now, everyone in the information space is worried about AI, what AI is doing to the marketplace. Well, I can tell you, if you're the kind of person who deals in reaction or data or knowledge, you're going to have a challenge competing with AI. But if you connect to God and his wisdom, you will have no trouble. People will hire you across the world to work with them because if you're the kind of person that helps people, you have a message to share and you're delivering wisdom, AI will never, let me just be clear about that, never ever be able to do wisdom and will never be able to do divine wisdom. Okay. So there's your competitiveness there. So anyway, John, that's the short, that's like the short version of the story, but yeah, why I'm here is just to share with people how to connect a conversation with God to your actual business strategies. I'm talking about like the actual nuts and bolts of like hiring getting rid, you know, letting go of team members, how to build marketing plans. I'm, I'm talking about the things that actually really matter in a business, not the fluffy you know, stuff. Let, let me just tell a, a quick story yeah. to kind of highlight that. There's so many yeah. things flooding into my head right now, but I run a company right now called Alpha Principle, and we are a kingdom investment management firm. We're growing rapidly, but our sublease was up. And, and we're sitting there working with a, a commercial real estate broker, right? This seems like the farthest thing from yeah. scripture, right? And all of a sudden, I got these three options in front of me. And these are big dollar commitments over a five-year lease for a space for a company, for all of our employees. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And you know what? I just had this thought. Just pause, pray, and listen. And I said, God, you know exactly the right place that we should be. None of the, like, this one is the one that appealed to me. But here's what I heard is none of these. 
I'm like, yeah. well, we got to move. Our, our lease is ending. He's like, trust me. I'm like, okay, none of these. So I told our CEO, um, none of the, none of these are going to work. And then um, I was meeting with a, a friend that afternoon. And I said, well, we got this. We're kind of stuck. He goes, well, you know what? I'll guarantee you between you and me, we have friends that have unused space because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And we could probably find the perfect space. So here's what ended up happening. Because we, that conversation, after saying no, we are now with a friend of the firm. They're actually a client of our firm. We're in their space. It is the most incredible place for us to work as a for a company inside the building with this other group. And it ended us costing us about a third, yeah. a third every month of any of those other leases that I was working at. And so think about that. Every little detail, whether it's a commercial lease or how to hire or even just praying before a meeting, even if you can't, even if you're in a public company and you can't do it like in the meeting, you can sit down in just five or 10 minutes and just get centered and pray yeah. before you walk in. And I'll guarantee you, you're going to walk in there as an ambassador for Christ and, and you're just going to be centered. You're going to be calm and you're going to be, you, you know, the radio is tuned into the right station. It's, but I mean, love what you said, Ed. Totally right. Like I was sitting, I have a chair right here on the side of my office that I'll do my morning sort of reading and prayer and, and thinking and listening to God. And so it was about five years ago that morning, I, I was probably sitting in the chair about eight, around 10 that morning. I had a fairly big deal discussion uh, that I was going to have that was, you know, mid, mid five figures kind of a deal. So I'm sitting in my chair uh, and I've got my Bible and I've got my prayer list. And then I just start praying, you know, and I'm connecting with God. I'm going through this. And then about 10 minutes into this, my mind started to wander to that deal. And I started thinking about the conversation and how it was going to go, price points and that sort of thing. And then I scolded myself. I said, look, you're praying. Focus in. you know. And I started praying again and get really serious. And like five minutes later, my mind began to wander again. And I, I started getting very frustrated at my lack of discipline. And so I brought that to God. And I said, look, I don't know why I can't focus in to pray with you. And in that moment, God opened my eyes and showed me it was he, it, it was he, his desire for me to partner with him on that business deal. And so as I began praying, God began to direct my mind to something that was very important to me. And because of that, it was very important to him. And because it was important to the client, it was important to all of us. And God was helping me think through that. And in a sense, God was partnering with me on that business deal. And here I was, uh, because sometimes we're, we're our own worst enemy. Here I was scolding myself for what for paying attention to where God was leading. And it was in that moment I realized, you know, God's definition of spiritual and our definition of spiritual, very different, very different. God wants things to move forward in the world. He wants to see businesses grow. He wants to see prosperity happen for his people and the, and the, and the earth to change. He wants governments to change. Clearly, clearly he wants governments to change, education systems to change. And we've been taught, like John, you and I grew up in, the, in a church where in a lot of ways the church taught like, hey, discipleship, evangelism, Bible study, prayer are the spiritual things, come to church. All of these other things are sort of these like necessary evils. And actually, I'd like to flip that and just say like our job as believers is to be great fighter pilots, great business people, great communicators, great leaders. And if at some point along the way, someone says, hey, what is your deal? Why are you so full of joy? Then you're like, hey, it's because of my connection to God and my relationship with Jesus. I'll, I'll tell this quick analogy and then and then I'll pitch it back to you. My daughter is four and she's an unbelievable athlete. She can ride a bike, like, like go over jumps and stuff. It's amazing. She's amazing. I'm biased, but 
but that doesn't mean I'm not right. So I bought her this bike, right? I bought her this amazing, cool little bike, little girl bike. And we go to Balboa Park and she'll ride that bike and people will just stop and like watch her go by. And she has so much joy. The other day she stopped and and the person was like, man, I love watching you ride a bike. And she goes, thank you. My dad got it for me. He back there. That's what she said. He back there because I was behind her. And uh, and she and and then she said, do you want to meet him? And the person was like, oh, yeah, you know, so I met this stranger on the on the road. And I thought, how cool was that? You know, she said that my dad got the bike. Well, when I gave my daughter the bike, I did not give her a bike and say, look, your whole job is to ride around and tell everyone how great your dad is, 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 because that would be weird. And what happens in the church is we sometimes sell the gospel that goes like this. Hey, your job is to get this beautiful gift that God's giving you. And you're, and after that, all you have to do is tell everyone how great your dad is, how great your dad is, how great your dad is, how great your dad is. The truth is, sometimes God's just happy to see you riding your bike. And if you live your life with such passion and joy and love, naturally, people are going to start asking you, dude, what's your deal? And when they say, what's your deal? That's the gospel. That's your opportunity to tell them about your amazing dad, because now they're interested in the benefit, you know, up until then. A lot of times the church like has to do like, you know, scare people. Why would you ever have to scare people when Christ said, you know, I've come that you may have a life and have it to the full. So anyway. I love that. John 10, 10, you know, and here's a question people. I I love asking people on a scale of one to 10, are you living life to the full? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I've done this with probably thousands of leaders and executives. You know, there's definitely some outliers, you know, some very low, some very high, but the average is six or seven. I'm like, man, that is that is mediocrity. And, you know, we got to live above the level of mediocrity. And, you know, this this separation of work, you know, work life balance, church and state work and church. You know, these are completely uh, human constructs Yeah, is not how God sees anything. You know, one one thing that was kind of opening for me, Ed, as I was recovering from my accident and just seeking what was next, I was looking for this big assignment like, okay. I've been saved. There's a reason I'm here. What is it? Like, what's my mission plan, right? Like, you know, send me out, Lord. And none of that came. It was frustrating. What I realized is, as I read the entire Bible multiple times, those kind of assignments are rare. Mm-hmm. What I'm called, my number one calling is who I'm to be. I'm to love the Lord God with all my heart. I'm called to be an ambassador for Christ, right? I am called to show up with the fruits of Holy Spirit. And then, like what you talked about from Colossians 3.23, what, whatever you do, yeah, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. Because that talks about, you know, whether you're, so guess what? If you're in a job, you're in a cubicle, and you've got to do spreadsheets, well, guess what? Be the best person that's ever done that in that team. I got to tell you, just to brag on my son, he's in a job that is sitting in front of a, a cube doing that. He's made the choice that he is going to do it with excellence. Now, I've got to tell you, he could that could get a little bit boring after a while, but now this has created career opportunities for him Yeah, because people have seen his attitude, his joy. He, he collaborates with people. He's He never gossips, and he does work with excellence. And you know what? When we operate that way, we're honoring God, and I, other people are going to notice. They're going to say, okay, you're a leader. And you know what? Even if it doesn't in the season you're in right now, it doesn't pay dividends. What I've seen every time without exception in my own life is that always leads to yeah. almost like this place where almost preparedness and opportunity connect. 
right? Where they right. intersect. And and I want to be prepared because in those places, I think those are these little God moments. And th- when something happens and something's awesome, and that's when the world says, oh, Ed got lucky. Okay. Yeah. They don't know what, they don't know that it took you eight books to become a international bestseller, right? So it took you, I don't even know how many years to become an overnight success, Ed, but well done. <laughs> It took me a lot of years. It's interesting. It's interesting. So um, so there's a verse in Proverbs that says, you see a man who's excellent in his work, he will stand before kings. That is a spiritual principle of about excellence. And I have to say, I have some friends of mine who don't hire Christians because they're not good at what they do. And they will say they're not good at what they do. And I'm like, that's totally messed up, right? So if you find yourself using the word just, okay, after the two words, I am, I hear this all the time. I'll be at an event. Someone will come up to me. I'll say, come on, man, tell me what you do. What do you do? And they'll go, oh, I'm just an electrician. Oh, I'm just a financial advisor. Oh, I'm just a coach. I'm like, don't you ever, I say this to everybody. I said, don't you dare say that word just. You are not just anything. You are a son or daughter of the king. You're created to be amazing. And the interesting thing when it comes to like, we we're talking about coaching and consulting and advising. There's three levels of money. When it comes to a person who gives advice for a living, there's actually three levels. Level number one is you get paid for what you do. Okay, so for example, like if you build websites or you do landing pages or you, you know, you know, build software infrastructure, that's getting paid for what you do. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just a, a that's just the first level of getting paid. The second level is getting paid for what you know. That's when people come to you for advice, not necessarily for the things you're doing, but they're asking your advice for certain things. And the third level is getting paid for who you are. So John, you were talking about how a lot of what, what that was is becoming the person that you knew that you were supposed to become, the maturity that comes when we become emotionally mature believers. Well, there are levels now where people are getting paid for who they are. For example, I was sitting next to a guy named Pat Riley, who was a former Lakers basketball coach. Right. And we were comparing notes. I, I speak publicly and get paid you know, for keynote fees, and he speaks and get, gets paid for keynote fees. And I was saying, hey, what do you go out for? Which is the way, way you ask a speaker what they get paid. And he said, well, I get paid $70,000 a talk. You know, Pat Riley's getting paid $70,000 because of who he is. There's no, his, let me tell you, his talk's probably great. It's not $70,000 great, okay? It's Pat Riley because of who he is. Henry Kissinger used to host dinners between governmental dignitaries and people in business. So, for example, if the CEO of Exxon wanted to have dinner with the Prince of Saudi Arabia, Henry Kissinger, who knew both of them, would charge each of them, check it out, $200,000 for him to facilitate dinner. Dude got paid $400,000 to have dinner. Okay, now I don't know about you, but I would be happy to get paid $400,000 to get dinner or $70,000. I'm just happy to get a, you know, when, you know, the the bill comes and somebody offers to put their card on the table. I'm thrilled, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, by the way, do you think Henry Kissinger is paying for dinner? No. So my point is, there's a level at which, and you don't have to be a celebrity to get here, as, as a person who helps people, it starts with what you do. It goes to what you know and eventually goes to who you are. And that comes back to that point that I mentioned before, which is there is a point where you are so connected to the heartbeat of God that, you know, Jesus was a really fun person to hang out with. We had this like spiritual impression growing up that he was like so serious about everything. But he was obviously like at w- one night, you know, he made like 900 bottles of wine appear out of nowhere. I mean, that was a really fun night. So, he was clearly like the kind of person that people were very attracted to be around. And as a person who is connected to God, that should be you. 
you should be the kind of person that people come out of the blue and go, look, Ed, I don't know wh- what the deal is, but I need to hang out with you. And that, like I said, that's the gospel. That's evangelism. That's true discipleship. And when you do that, you start changing the world, man. You start taking over governments and economics and the school system and business, and we start doing things right, which we need to do. But, you know, in, in saying that, too, you know, I want to bring it back, too, because, um, you know, when you're building a business and you just have the day to day, I got to tell you, Ed, what, I'm just kind of processing what you said because I love it. The the thing that was my guiding principle that I think really helped me because this was so foreign, I guess, to before the accident. Right. Um was that I, I needed to live in almost like this daytight compartment and just say and, and actually start out my day and pray, God, what is one thing I need to work on today? What is that one small step I need to take that's going to keep me? Because guess what? His plans are so much bigger than ours. There's so much. The first thing he said to me, Ed, at my accident is all things work together for good for those yeah. that love the Lord. And when I was laying there, when I had this accident, I didn't even know that came from Romans, by the way. But that gave me so much hope that everything was leading towards something better. Right. And now what that's developed in everything I do in business, whether you're a coach building a business, right, whether whatever it happens to be is not only just what's that one small step now to do today. I'm now trying to be in constant communication say, God, what's my small step in this interview with Ed? Where should I go next? What should I ask you? Like, I think when you're constantly connected to that, like you talked about, that wisdom, you're going to always have that guidance in the direction. But what that's really about is developing a personal relationship, a love relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And you are, you've been focused recently and a big project of yours is God Talks. And I'd love for you to share a little about a little bit about what is God talks and yeah. what's behind that and and how that's helping people. Yeah, so I'll t- I'll share the uh, the Genesis story. So I think it was by ten or eleven years ago. By the way, if you had talked to me fifteen years ago, and you said, "Hey, Ed, I've got this guy who's written this book to show you how to talk, kind of have a conversational relationship with God," I would have thought you were a heretic uh, because I didn't believe in that at all, like 15 years ago. So the first thing you should know about this journey is that it was a lot of it was accident, a very good good and godly accident. It was a divine accident, like Bob Ross used to say, a happy little accident. It was about 10 or 11 years ago that I tried to have a conversation with God. And it took some time to really begin to develop that. But next thing you know, I started asking God questions primarily about my life and my business. I was learning how to journal the answers. And, um, it was a very private thing. I didn't tell anyone at all because I didn't want to, you know, get put in the loony bin or whatever. But uh, what I started realizing is the practice was beginning to help me understand money and understand but my isn't business. Isn't that an interesting point you just made, though, right? Like our first reaction be like, I don't want to tell somebody because this sounds weird. Well, I, I you know what, my... though, but that's the world and the enemy trying totally. to convince us because you read through scripture. I know. This was like, this was like how, this was, this is what they did. And now yeah. we today, like, no, that's that's kind of that's a little mystical, that's a little out there. Like, no, that is you've been influenced in 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 something is totally. really wedged between how God really wants to be active in relationship with you. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jesus said, "My sheep hear my voice." Paul said, "Pray without ceasing," and every single one of the Old Testament patriarchs had this like 
conversation that was sort of ongoing with God. Even back in the beginning, it said Enoch walked with God and then he wasn't. It was almost like he just walked home with God, you know? And uh, and so it's fascinating how we sort of, because of our compartmentalization and everything, I did go to my pastor at the time. I said, hey, I'm, I'm starting to like have these conversations with God and like he's talking back and he's giving me wisdom for my ideas. And the pa- my pastor at the time, I kid you not, he said, don't, he said, I wouldn't do that. He said, it could get really hokey. Now, to be fair, it can get hokey. <laughs> God might tell you some crazy things, but at the same time, if you're doing it in community and you're processing it with people who you know, like, and trust, and who are also connected with God, it can be very safe. And by the way, can you imagine a dad who, after their kid was 10 or 12 years old, just decided, I'm just going to write you a long letter and I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like God is so much a better dad than than we are, you know? So why would we ever assume that God would be a worse dad than us? I mean, he's so he's so relational. He's so conversational. I mean, Jesus was called the word for crying out loud. It must stand to reason he has something to say, you know? So I was doing this all by myself for a while. And then God, oh, he in, encourages, he forced me. Literally, I was in the middle of, of one of my coaching groups. This is a group of people, about 20 people. We meet three times a year. Each of those folks paid over $20,000 to be in that group. And God, in the middle of the group, said, you're going to pray for that woman today. Now, just for some context, she had stage four cancer. The cancer had reached its way into her bones. She had a prognosis of just a few months to live. And God said, you're going to pray for her today. And I said, no, I'm not. (laughs) Because I had never, look, I didn't do that. People knew like I was a Christian, but I didn't do like public spirituality thing. I didn't pray out loud. So this was not really a Christian. No, no, it was just like a business group. It was a business business group, right? It was about 20 people from all walks of life. There were some believers there. There were a lot of folks from everything, all, all, all over. And the woman who had cancer was definitely not a believer So at the time. So God says, you're going to pray for her. And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, well, yeah, you are. And I said, no, I'm not. And I don't know if you've ever had an argument with God, but we did this for like 20 minutes. No, I'm not. And I'm like, I don't think you understand, God. This is a business group. People paid a lot of money to be here. They're here for my business advice, not for some spiritual thing. And we kept going. Like all the stuff, conversations happening, I can't even pay attention to any of it because God and I are having this argument, which is dumb, by the way. You should just say yes. But but I just I was like 20 minutes. So finally, I couldn't get it out of my head. And finally, I was like, fine, just so that I can not think about it anymore, I'm going to do it. So I like, I said, hey, Irene, would you mind for a minute if we all said, you know, positive words for you? I like couldn't even get to it. So we all said positive things. And finally, I said, would you mind if we just prayed for you? For a moment. And in that moment, she started to cry. <laughs> and she was so overwhelmed that we would take the moment to pray. And I said, I said, let's just, I said, let's just pray for a moment for Irene. And the moment I said, let's just pray for a moment for Irene, 19 out of the 20 people in the room got up and walked over to her and began putting their hands on her. And by the way, this isn't a spiritual group. This is just what people did. She starts crying. Everyone else starts crying. Well, wouldn't you know it? Her cancer actually goes backwards. She gets six more years of life and vitality and vibrancy. And she connected to God during those six years. And she learned how to have a conversation with God in those six years. And now she's with the Lord. Like, I mean, you can't even like write stories like this. Unbelievable, right? So next thing you know, not not only am I doing this in front of 20 people, I'm doing this on stages in front of 300 plus people, right? I'm starting to show people 
on like publicly how to start having a conversation with God. And I started leading people through exercises where they would literally just journal. I would tell them, here are the questions you're going to ask. And then I would play some music and they would begin journaling. And, and dude, like in business events, people started getting healed of like backs and neck problems and like hand problems. And like the cancer started going backwards. And what's more is we started people having people like healed from emotional trauma, 40 years of abuse that people never, ever told the story of ever before. Boom. All of a sudden they're fixed. And three months later, they're standing on my, at my event telling the story that they've never told for 40 years in front of 300 people. And so it was like all of a sudden thousands of people started to get connected to God. And by the way, from all walks of life, I have stories of atheists. I had a, I had a woman at one of my events come up to me with a yellow pad of paper, like the one I'm holding right here. And she said, okay, Ed, I'm an atheist and I have two pages of notes from God. She said, how does that work? I said, hey, you're the atheist, man. I don't, I don't know. You tell me how that works, right? So next thing you know, this woman is having these weekly conversations with God. Every week on Friday for an hour, she's talking to God for an hour. And she said, she came to me and she said, I'm doing an hour with God every week. I said, you know, you pray more. You, 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 you call yourself an atheist. You pray more than most Christians I know, hour a week, you know? So all of a sudden, people's lives started getting changed and restored. And next thing you know, I'm like, I got to do this. So I wrote this book. This is the this was the sixth one I mentioned. This book called God Talks, which essentially shows you in a formulaic way how to ask God questions about six categories: how to ask God questions about yourself, ask God questions about Him, ask God questions about your past, your future, money, purpose, and business. And it shows you how to have this conversation with God where you ask God questions and get answers. And let me tell you, I've done this with thousands, tens of thousands of people. I've, it works every time it works. God shows up every single, it's amazing. Like every time someone starts asking the questions, God comes in and starts giving you the answers. And it's a beautiful story about his care and his love. And my goal is to take the book and change the whole world with it and have 8 billion people praying without knowing they're praying. So there. That's awesome. And now, and you've taken a lot of what's in the book and your own experience and you've, you've created these guided audios that people can listen to. And you did this at first and then you gave it to a few of your clients. Yeah, you realized, yeah. oh my word, like this is the tool God gave me to make transformational impact in the life of somebody that I'm, I've been called to coach. But even when I'm not there, I would love for you to share a little bit of it because, you know, anybody that's yeah. there that's listening right now who either is a coach or you're a, maybe you're a mentor or you're a, you know, in a discipleship role right? You're, you're helping somebody else get to where they want to go. I think this is a tool you really need to be aware of. Yeah. So the genesis of the story is, you know, I'm a teacher, like, as you can probably tell from this podcast, I love telling stories, connecting vision, showing people how to really conquer the world. And so I was doing these events called God Talks, where basically for two days, Ed would talk. And God showed me, you know, this is more like a partnership. <laughs> this is not like you stand, like, his exact words to me, just to be fully transparent, I've never told this story ever before. His his exact words were no old tricks. In other words, all the things that I had done at events teaching for 11 years, all the strategies that I had learned, God wanted me to lay those aside and create something new. And at one event, actually, I completely lost my voice, which is awful, except God was there. And so what I did was I started creating these audios. And I created the audios so that during the event, when someone comes to the event, they can they can immerse themselves 
with a little music, they can close their eyes, breathe a little bit, and connect to God by asking these questions. And essentially, they're, they operate like guided conversations. Man, when people started doing these at the events, I realized it was a lot better than when I was leading them because I was going too fast or I was teaching too much. But at the same time, it gave them the space to be able to really connect with God. So what I did was I created a series of seven audios, and they go through the seven areas I just mentioned. The first day you ask God about you, there's two questions you ask. It guides you through a little breathing, and then you go into the exercise where you begin to journal. Because my goal is, look, my goal after God told me no old tricks is I just get out of the way and let God and you connect. Because the truth is, his wisdom is better than mine. And when he begins to share things with you, the floodgates begin to break open. Now, I do recommend that you have someone who you can process these with. But yeah, I created this series of seven audios. There's more now, but I created this. They're totally free. And I'll tell you where to get them. But the seven audios, you can just put your headphones on, put your earbuds in, sit there with a journal and listen to God. And it's amazing. But what happened was a year ago, I started having coaches. One of, For example, one of the main guys in Tony Robbins' program who coaches like his high-end coaching people, like the, one of the main dudes, came to my event a year ago. And then two months later, he said, Ed, I've been using your audios in my coaching. So what he does is he has his coaching students listen to the audio for 20 minutes as homework and journal the answers. And then bring they bring the answers to his coaching session. And it's unbelievable the breakthrough that happens because, again, you're operating at the highest form of wisdom. It's one thing as a coach, consultant, or advisor to give advice. And look, you should do that. That's what you get paid to do. It's another thing altogether for that person to connect to divine intelligence, receive a download from God, and then bring that to you, right? When I have a coaching member who comes to me and says, God told me that I'm having a big transition and that there's three people that I need to connect with to affect that transition. They come into coaching. We start praying. Next thing you know, I'm like, that person, that person, that person. And you can see this divine partnership that begins to happen between the coach, the coaching student, and God. And when you dial that triangle in, man, you will, you will become unbeatable as a coach, consultant, advisor because you're bringing ideas and wisdom of your own and connecting it to divine wisdom. Oh my gosh, there's no way you can lose, right? There's no way the person can lose. They will be successful at, at implementing the strategies because it's coming from God. Well, yeah, and what you're talking about, right, and you look in the scripture and just search the word abide. How many times does it say abide in me? Yeah. And, and, and it's become what you're talking about is how do I abide in the Lord? How do I actually take the time to understand and learn? Because we're all a little bit different. How we really hear is it through scripture? Is it that inner voice? Is it through the prophetic word from the, like what you talked about, surrounding yourself with people who are also like with their hearts seeking this love relationship with the Lord. I have that. I'm in a pinnacle forum group. Pinnacle forum has absolutely been amazing, but it's a group of 12 of us that meet every Wednesday morning, Ed, and we are all doing this during the week. And then we're sharing what worked, what didn't work, holding each other accountable, saying, here's what I think God's telling me, guys, can you help me pray into this to get clarity? Cause I feel a little bit of, you know, we all, you know, sometimes we'll have a little bit of uncertainty and doubt. Like, is that my voice? Is it God's voice? Well, yeah. Yeah. But you said something else earlier that I really want to highlight. And I do this with my clients a lot. And you know, that inner voice, you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm what you talked about wandering during prayer time. Right. But what if, you know, whose voice are you listening to? Is that my voice going, no, 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 I'm not doing it right? Is that the voice of what I call the tyranny of they? Is like, 
oh no, I'm yeah. thinking about doing yeah. this, but what would they think? What would my boss think? What would my wife or husband think? Right? No. What I'm always trying to do is what is God's voice? And and I remember a mentor of mine said, John, I want you to recognize when you get all excited about this idea, that is that is that is God in you. Yeah. Because yeah. God is enthroned in you, by the way. You can go look it up in Ephesians. You know, God is above us, near us, and in us. That yeah. is him feeling the joy of you thinking about that business deal or whatever it happens to be. And then when you realize that, then you're like, all right, Lord. So here's what I do in those situations. I start writing and journaling everything down. I get it all out of my head. This is what works for me. Then I can look over it all. And then I just lift it up and say, Lord, where in here is your thumbprint? Where in here do I need to start praying? Can you know where? Yeah. Can, and all of a sudden they start like you talk about. It's like this guided conversation, and having a tool to get into those practices. I'm so excited about that. You can hear my energy. So guys, go to GodTalks.com. Okay, G-O-D-T-A-L-K-S. GodTalks.com, and you can have you can get um, Ed's book, phenomenal book, and there's a ton of free resources there for you. Ed, how else do they find you? What are your yeah, other so, places? So the first first place is, yeah, go to God Talks. When you get there, there's a link to the book that's over on Amazon. It's 20 bucks or less, a great deal. It's in all formats if you'd like to listen or read or Kindle or whatever. But when you get there, you'll also see that those audios are available. There's a lot more I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you downloadable PDFs that you can use to journal with. There's some illustrations that come along with the book. There's a lot that I'm going to give you. But what I thought I would do, John, for your folks, I've not done this before, okay? So like, this is for you is I'm going to give you my email address. I'm going to tell you why I'm going to give you my email, but I want you to write this down. It's coaching, C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G at edrush.com. Just so you know, that goes directly to me. It does not go through an assistant or anything. And I will email you back. Okay, so here's the deal. When you get the book, okay, two things. When you get the book and you send me an email, okay, and tell me one thing you thought about the book. It doesn't even have to be a great thing. You could say, I have a typo on page 118 or whatever. If you get the book and just tell me an email, one thing that you got out of the book, I will give you two tickets to my next event. You do not have to pay for those. They are my gift to you, okay? And I'm doing my next God Talks event here in San Diego. The next one I think is back in San Diego again. We're gonna do an event over in Colorado, by the way. I have a vision for having a, an event on Empower Field. So one of these days, John, we're gonna do an event on Mile High Stadium, okay? But yeah, if you just email me, coaching at edrush.com, Tell me one thing about the book. I'll send you two tickets to my next event. You can come whenever you want to. You can bring a guest. And that's just my way to honor you for getting all the way to the end of this interview. Congratulations for listening to an amazing uh, show. John, you've had, what, 500-some interviews, something like that? Like a lot, right? So Almost 500. We're getting close to 500, Ed. That's awesome, man. Yep. So it's been, you know, and I, I love what you shared today uh, because what, if I actually had to sum up, I think if I looked at the thread that runs through all the amazing testimonies, the amazing stories, people overcoming and becoming, building something, uh, you know, stories of restoration and redemption, what you just shared is the thread that runs through all of it. And that is us turning our face toward the Lord, praying, changing our ways, listening and then choosing to partner with God in the work yeah. he's doing in the world, right? That is a place. And I'll, I'll tell you, here's been my experience. Every time you do that, folks, and this is normal, you will have a crisis of faith. That, that's what's happened to me. Because here's what happened. All of a sudden, God shows you who he's seeing in you, that better version of yourself. 
the work that he has prepared for you. And then you're like, oh my goodness, can I do that? I mean, <laughs> Moses did this, Aaron did. I mean, you, yeah. everybody. Yeah. So guys, when that happens, you're like, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not the person that could do that. I'm not prepared. I'm not equipped. Guys, it's natural. But that's where you even got to turn and listen to God closer and trust him. Because listen, everybody talks about in Ephesians 2.10, that the calling part, right? The Ephesians 2.10 calling. The part that I focused on as I was on this journey was this, is that the first part of that is that you are Christ's perfect workmanship. As you sit right now in this hour listening to this podcast, there are no more dependent events. You don't have to get ready to get ready to get ready, yeah. right? Right now, whatever God's putting on your heart, those things that are getting you excited, some of those things like you heard Ed talk about, with God, all things are possible when it's in his will. So yeah. folks, I'm telling you, I would really, you know, Ed, thank you for the work that you're doing because this right here, hearing from the Lord, developing that loving relationship is foundational regardless of the external circumstances, which can no doubt be really hard and really tough. But God promises, promise to walk us through everything. Yeah. So Ed, thank you yeah. for what you're doing, brother. Love John, you, thank you. It's an honor really to be on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah.